0: Okay, if you'd be willing, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 still. (laughs) We will finish Matthew 5 in about two or three more weeks. (laughs) We'll find out if there are other chapters in this Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. This is all about our words. Again you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, take no oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of His feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Nor shall you take an oath by your head, for you cannot make a single hair black, white or black. I'm thinking, yeah, we do that a lot, don't we? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, but make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond that is of evil. Origin or, or simply of evil. As we look at that, I'd like—I don't know if I'd like to—but I will confess to you that as a child, I was a terrible liar. Uh, I—I I, was—I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I—I I, I lied without compunction. I, I just. You know, to get out of trouble, to get what I wanted, to, to, to sell a newspaper subscription, uh, to, 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 you know, anything I wanted, I would, I would just spin a lie and I was pretty good at it. And if I told a lie and someone called me on it, I wouldn't confess. I wouldn't apologize. I wouldn't say, oops. I would say, no, no, I swear on a stack of Bibles. <laughs> because, because I was a liar. And you don't expect a liar to all of a sudden become truthful in defense of his lie. I mean, that's, out of character. The liar lies. Uh, and you got, anybody say this, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye? Anybody else grow up with that? Anybody ever actually stick a needle in your eye? <laughs> I never, yeah, it never crossed my mind that I might actually stick a needle in my eye if I was lying. It was like, no, that's just what you say to make people believe that what you're saying is the truth. Uh, you don't, you, you don't uh, stop. Do do, do you, really think a liar is going to suddenly become honest when he's defending his lie? I mean, we don't work that way. I was not concerned with honesty. I was concerned with selling my lie, right? In today's passage, we see first that, that we are told not to make false vows. Second, he says, don't make vows in the first place. And finally, that the desire to enforce what you say with a vow is a sinful thing. Okay, so first of all, he says, you've heard, don't swear falsely, right? He he does that, that, he's in his pattern, you have heard it said, you have heard it said. Again, I say that you've heard the ancients were told, you shall not make false, false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. And, and before I start on looking these up a little bit, I want to talk about the difference between oaths and vows, because they're not exactly the same thing. A vow is your promise to do something, right? Your oath is a way of confirming that what you said is truthful right? Uh, a vow is, you know, I vow to, I don't know what you want to do, you know, in, in their case, we're, we're going to look at an example, it's a vow to make an offering. And, and, and he says, if you make a vow, you better keep it, right? Uh, let, make, make it, it's a binding thing. An oath is a confirmation that what you're saying is true, and in my New American Standard Version, in verse 33, it says, vows, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. We go on to verse 34, I say, you take no oath at all, neither by heaven, nor for it is the throne of God, nor by the earth, for it's the footstool of his feet. And we find Jesus moving between the two, oaths and vows, in a very similar way, because they're both cases of giving your word, and, and he finds both equally significant. They're, they're more than simply doing what you say, they are Binding yourself with words to do what you say, right? Uh, In the NIV, if you've got an NIV, he says, instead of saying vows in verse 33, he says oaths. And in verse 34, he says, swear, swear neither by heaven nor swear by earth. And so you you have the idea of, of, of a difference, but it's not real big. And Jesus moves between both understandings. And as we look at what the Old Testament teaches, we're going to see that that verse 33 seems to be more about vows, actually, than oaths. But some Old Testament passages, uh, Deuteronomy 23, uh, 23 verses 21 to 23. Okay, so we have uh, the simplest. This is the simplest passage on oaths or vows that that we find uh, that might be considered something like a command that we have to follow or not. Right? Not that we're looking for commands, but chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. And it says this, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly require it of you, and it will be a sin for you. In fact, I'm going to go on just a little bit because I like this. However, if you refrain from making vows, that will not be a sin for you. In other words, if you didn't make the vow, it's okay if you don't do it. But once you make the vow, you better do what you said you'd do. That vow is a binding thing in God's eyes, right? So, so don't, don't make foolish vows. I want, I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail already. Sorry. You know, promise keepers is not much of a thing anymore. But when it was, I was highly careful about promise keepers. Because if you look at the seven promises of the promise keeper, and I can't rattle them off, they were all good things. But you weren't bound by them until you promise to do them, right? And I remember talking to a guy, one of the vows is to be faithful in church, one of the promises is the promise keeper. And this guy was not real consistent in church. And I said, you know, they're going to ask you to stand and make these promises. I said, it's not a bad promise, but if you make that promise, you better keep it. And he stood with everybody else, and he made the promises, and two weeks later, he was not at church. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you, I, I warned you, you know, I don't, I don't think his life is totally disintegrated or anything, but, uh, if you, if you no, don't make the promise, you're not guilty for it. But if you make the promise, then you better keep your word. And that's the, what we find here is you keep your word. So the simplest is Deuteronomy 23, 21 to 23. The most thorough is Numbers chapter 30. Uh, and I, you heard me, I said chapter. <laughs> and I, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we will read the first part of it. And, and I like what he says, Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, or takes an oath to put himself under a binding obligation, he shall not break his word. He shall act in accordance with everything that comes out of his mouth. In other words, if you say, So help me, God, then you have just said, so you put yourself under God's authority. And you know how God likes to help you? For instance, What happens if you pray for patience? God will help you learn patience, won't He? And it's a pleasant thing, isn't it? Anybody who doesn't know it, I dare you. (laughs) No, uh, uh, you know it's it's a funny thing to say because you pray for patience. We all know if you pray for patience, God will give you an opportunity to exercise patience, right? And, And and yet when I say that, it's like no. So don't pray for patience. But patience is actually a good thing. Just recognize God has a way of building us that requires construction <laughs> and, and, and uh, because he's building us well. He's not just you know, building little fluff fairies as he makes people. He's making people, real people with real strength is what he's looking for. So he says, if you make a vow, keep your vow. But then he starts going into the disqualifiers right? And and this is really interesting because verses 3 through 15 are who does and does not have authority to make a vow and when it's not binding. And if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and puts herself under a binding obligation in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears the vow and her obligation under which she has put herself, and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall remain valid and every binding obligation under which she has put herself shall remain. But if her father expresses disapproval on her on the day he hears of it, none of her vows and obligations which she has put herself shall remain valid. And so he's saying, if you don't have the authority to make it, you don't make it. And in their case, you know, their father was much more authoritative in the family than he usually is today. And so he's, he, he, you come home, Dad, and you hear your daughter made this vow, and you look and you said, you promised what? No, uh-uh. You don't have to do that one. I'm not going to let you do that one, right? You cannot. And, and he is, she is not under, she's not under authority. She, she doesn't keep that vow because she, she stepped outside her authority making it. And it goes on things like that but for people who stepped outside their authority. Uh, but but as for those who are allowed to keep it, then it is binding on them. And so we find the binding nature of vows. Uh, when, when a vow is binding, but, but it is binding thing. A vow is a binding thing. Once... once uh, Either if you are in the authority to do it, or once it is authorized by the person who is in authority, it is a binding thing. Now, this is Old Testament. You know We're looking at Old Testament laws for the Jews and things like that, and, and we don't walk around looking for Old Testament laws to bind ourselves under, but we find something of God's opinion here, and we, we're looking at these when we look at what Jesus said when He says, you heard that it was said, you know, if you make a vow to God, you better keep it, right? Uh, and, and so we want to explore a little bit better what He says. Leviticus 19, uh, verse 12, is not a vow, but swearing by God's name. Uh, Leviticus 19. And this is where, <laughs> this is where, where you, as a, say, I swear on a stack of Bibles, what I'm saying is true. <laughs> and you lie, but it's a way of making people believe that you're saying, what, what you're saying is true. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. And so I can't think of any way that would be understood other than by pulling down God's name to try to give credibility to the thing you're saying, even though you know it's a lie. And so you you swear uh, in God's name and you're lying. Peter did this uh, when he was denying Christ uh, in the... the, What do you call that? In In the courtyard. He says he called... He called down an oath on himself. On yeah, the bad day, that's right, Judah. In the courtyard, he swore down an oath on himself and, and said, I do not know the man. And, and what's he doing? He was using God's name to try to give credence to what he said, but he was lying. So when you see Peter, tell him, Pastor Steve said, you're a liar. And he'll say, that's okay, he's a liar too. Uh, so that's what you've heard. That's what Jesus is talking about. You 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 keep your vows, right? Again, you've heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. You you keep your vows, you keep you make your oath. If you take an oath, you keep your oath. You must do it, what you say you'll do. Uh especially if you pull God's name into it, you you better do what you said you do. But Jesus gives us an easier way out. He says, just don't take the oath in the first place. And he's he's moved grammatically from vows to oaths, but but I say to you, take no oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you take an oath by your head, for you cannot make a single hair black or white. Just make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Right? It's It's really simple. It's really simple. He says, he says, for, for verses 34 and 35 not by heaven not by earth not by jerusalem he says don't swear by things right he says not by heaven not by earth not by jerusalem you, you swear so here's the thing you swear by something that is great and meaningful to yourself right and and this is something that you say well we don't do right i i, I picture the you know the irishman saying oh by my satan bother i'll tell you you know and, and we go on to we you know and I, i'll tell you the truth i couldn't swear and then you go wait a minute your mom's still alive i saw her just last week you know <laughs> and and, and cuz he's what he's lying He's just but he's swearing by something that when he swears by that you're supposed to believe him, right? I swear by the grave of my father you will reach the top alive, <laughs> right? If you don't know what that's from, you know, I'm doubt your salvation. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> Princess Bride. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, and I love the line. I give you my I could give you my word as a Spaniard No, it doesn't work. I've known too many Spaniards <laughs> Okay, and so then he swears by his father's grave and he says okay I'll try take your help because he says that's a, an oath you'll. But if you're a liar, you just tell a more convincing lie. It doesn't mean anything. He says, don't swear by things like that. Uh, you make yourself answerable to the thing you swear by, right? You swear by something greater than you, and you make your. When you do that, you make yourself answerable to the thing you swear by. You swear by heaven. Heaven help me if I'm lying. God help me if I'm. You just called God down. God, oh God, God help you. I think help is the word you want. Right, our God is a consuming fire. Right, uh, do, not, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that he will reap. Right, uh, he says, uh, uh, don't swear by heaven. Uh, that's the throne of God. You want to swear by earth? That's God's footstool. You're, when you when you swear by these things, you're bringing yourself under God's authority. You know that whole authority thing? <laughs> and, then, and then you're breaking what, what you said you'd do. You're yourself under his condemnation. And then he goes a little farther. He says, don't swear by Jerusalem. And again, that's, that's another thing that we look at and we go, a lot of these things are hard to see how this relates to us because we don't, as a people, it's culturally not something we do. Apparently it was something they did there. Uh, but, but he says, don't swear by Jerusalem. That's the king's. You don't want the king. Uh, you swear by the king and then you, the king finds out that you lied. You, that, that's essentially lying in the king's name. The king doesn't like it when you lie in his name. It makes him angry, right? He says, don't do that. And he says, don't do that. He says, what you do is you swear by something greater than you are. Are you sure you want to bring that greater thing down on yourself? He says, don't do that. And then he says, don't swear by yourself. And again, that sounds so silly. I swear by me, I will do it, (laughs) right? You go. that's really lame, Steve. I don't don't get that. Uh, But you might say, on my honor. Trust me. You know what I picture when I hear the words trust me? Ka. Right? The Jungle Book. Trust in me. Just in me. Meanwhile, as he's singing that song, what is he doing? He's wrapping his coils around Mowgli. Trust in me, you know. And and it's like, it's like, hmm, yeah, trust in me because I'm honest. You know, it's it's the used carbon thing. I wouldn't lie to you. And we're we're calling on ourselves. My word is good. You can believe me. And, and uh Jesus tells us not even to do that because you know what? We're not actually in control of ourselves. You can say, you can say we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We don't know where things are going. Uh, funniest story in the Bible on people giving an oath is found in the book of Acts, chapter... Uh, I, I thought I wrote it down, but I, I don't see it here. So it might take me just a second to find this. Uh, Paul, is been, Paul has been arrested, and he is, uh, the Jews are going to ambush him and kill him. Right? He's been arrested. He's in Jerusalem. And let's see, he's seized in the temple. That's what that one says. Uh, Paul's defense before the Jews. It looks like I'm in chapter 20, 23. Starting at verse 12. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and put themselves under oath, saying they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. They put themselves under oath. Right? Solemn pledge, solemn promise, I will not eat or drink anything until I kill Paul. So they thought they were making a pledge till that night. <laughs> they probably had a caterer coming in, you know, they're going to, okay, Look, here's our schedule guys, we're going to kill him at one at two o'clock, Longhorn is there, and we're going to, you know, something like that. Uh, there were more than 40 of them that, who, who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, we put ourselves under an oath to taste nothing until we've killed Paul. Now, therefore, you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you as though you were going to investigate this case more thoroughly. And as for us, we're ready to kill him before he comes near this place. And so the word gets out. And so here's the answer to the 40 Jews who are going to kill Paul that night. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready <laughs> by the third hour of the night and proceed to Caesarea with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. They were also to provide mounts for Paul and bring him to, safely to Felix the government. So, so guess what those 40 Jews did? Nothing. Now, do you think any of them actually starved to death? Do you think they kept their oath? <laughs> Be careful what oaths you make, because you're bound by the oath you make. And when you don't, you you can swear by your head, but your head—you can't control your head, right? What James says it this way in the book of James, chapter uh, James says an awful lot about words, but uh, I'm just going to go easy on us. James chapter four, verses thirteen through sixteen. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow for you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Indeed, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do and also do this or that. but as it is, your boasting is you your, your boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil uh, and, and he says uh, don't don't you know it's not wrong to make plans, it's wrong to boast in your plans, it's wrong to say, i am going to do such and such, no matter what right uh So I am in the process of buying a new car. First time ever, right, buying a new car. For those of you who don't know, our car got stolen. Insurance paid us off for the car. We have a really good down payment on a new car. The way the market is now, looks like this is the time to do it. But when you buy a new car now, you go in and you pick out what you want. You tell them what you want in a car. They don't have it on the lot. They order it. Okay, so he asked for $500 down. And it's not like earnest money on a house. They don't. If you don't take the car, they don't keep the $500, you get it back if you decide you don't want it. So the salesman said to me, now, I need to know that you're really going to buy this car because we're going to order it, and we're going to get it, get it here, and if you don't want it, we have this car that's built to your specifications that we have to try to sell. I said, yes, I'm really going to buy the car. He says, now we, uh, I, <laughs> he says well, can you give me 100% on that? I said, no. <laughs> it's like, like, who do you think I am? I said, I said, no, I can't give you 100%. I don't know what's happening between now. It's going to be two or three months before this car comes in. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Right? Life is not in my control. Is your life under your control? Because my life is not under my control. I told him, here's what I'll do. I'll give you 95%. <laughs> he said, okay, I'll take it. But, <laughs> but think about it. What if I had told him? What if I'd have told him, you know, you can count on me 150%. You bet, I'm going to do it. Would he have had more confidence in my 150 than he did in my 95? Hey, you're the salesman, what do you think? Do you have confidence in my saying you bet 150%? See, all that tells me is I don't understand math, right? <laughs> uh, uh, I, it doesn't make sense. So he said, So Jesus just says simply, uh, he says, you can't make your hair black and white. Right? Now, of course, we know we can dye our hair. We do that all the time. <laughs> Except for me, of course. But <laughs> uh, people dye their hair all the time. But he, his, his point is, is that we're not in control of ourselves. How could we even swear by ourselves? We don't know tomorrow. I know what I plan to do tomorrow. If you ask me what I'm doing tomorrow, I can tell you, here's what I plan to do tomorrow. And that's how my words will come out. And sometimes someone will say, say something, I'll say, I'll say, if the creek don't rise, you know, God, 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 God's will, how's that go? God's will and the creek don't rise, you know, then then I'll do that. Cuz cuz we don't know what's going to happen between today and tomorrow. It's not in our control. We do I, I will tomorrow will probably I will probably do the things I think I'm going to do. Right? I can tell you at least the big things tomorrow. Right? And and those will probably happen. But nobody knows what will change between today and tomorrow, right? We are not in control of these things. So he says don't make vows at all. Okay. Now, there should be an obvious problem Coming up, well, what about your marriage vows, right? Anybody here ever joined the military? You made a took an oath, right? You took an oath to defend your country, to follow the orders of your commander in chief. In my day, that was Jimmy Carter. You're all too young. You don't know why that's funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, What about those things? You know, are we wrong to do those? Is it wrong to take a marriage vow to make a a marriage vow to each other? Uh, And I'm going to say I don't think so. But so let me find some verses here that I think will temper our understanding of this. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse. And by the way, we could find a whole lot more than what I found. I just wanted enough and a variety to to prove my point. Deuteronomy chapter six, thirteen. Is God tells you to swear by His name. Wow. Okay, Deuteronomy six thirteen. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. So Jesus, God, God tells us to swear by his name. Jesus says, uh, "Don't swear at all." Are they in contradiction to each other? Are God the Father and Jesus just upset with each other over this? Let, let's hang on a little bit. Isaiah chapter nineteen, eighteen. On that day, five cities in the land of Egypt will be speaking the language of Canaan and swearing allegiance to the Lord of armies. One will be called the city of destruction. He's talking about, it's a millennial prophecy. He's making a prophecy about future times and he says these five cities will be swearing allegiance to the Lord of armies. And he he writes it as if it's a good thing that they're doing, swearing allegiance to God. He's the Lord of armies. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 19. This is really interesting. If you still have your Bible open to James, it's really easy. It's just back about three or four pages. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 19. Really interesting thing God does here. Remember, I said you swear by something greater than yourself? What if you're God? Hebrews 6, 13 to 19 says this for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, having patiently awaited, he he obtained the promise, for people swear an oath by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath that serving as a confirmation is an end to every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact of his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge, Should would have strong encouragement. He says two things, and he only names one. He names that God, it's impossible to go for God to lie. What's the other one? That he took an oath by himself, right? And, and so God, God himself takes an oath. So what do we do with that? What do we do when, when Jesus says, don't take oaths, so and we find even God himself made oaths? He tells us to swear by him. It's a good thing when people swear by God. And I think we can reconcile the two pretty easily by Jesus was talking about something that people were doing in his day, and that is they were taking oaths lightly. They were like little children saying, I swear on a stack of Bibles, cross, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, <laughs> right? And it didn't mean a thing. And Jesus is saying, don't do that, that's binding. But I don't think it's telling you, you cannot make a, a wedding vow. In fact, I think if you, <laughs> if you are not willing to make a wedding vow, you better not get married, right? You make the wedding vow, but then you keep the wedding vow, Right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I think the answer to that. He says, he says, don't take your vows earlier. Don't marry that girl unless you're willing to make that vow, and don't make that vow unless you're willing to keep it. Right? Uh, we do that before God and man. And, and I like to point out, not that I'm trying to scare the bride and groom away at the altar, (laughs) but they're doing it, like if someone was getting married here today, there's a hundred people in here, they're doing it between a hundred witnesses. And what is the job of a witness? To tell the truth, so you see, so a so hundred witnesses see someone breaking that vow. Their job is to tell them you're breaking that vow, right? Before God and man, and God is there all the time and sees everything. He knows that we're break, make, breaking that vow, so we keep the vow, right? We do make those vows. You do pledge. What what, what possible use would be a military that did not swear allegiance to their commander? Uh, that's kind of useless. They become mercenaries. So go to the highest bidder kind of thing. It's not a positive thing. So once you do make a vow, you better honor. He's not saying no vows at all, but only serious vows that you truly mean and will truly honor. That's, I think, what we're getting away with. And then he says simply, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And you know, the title of this is Simple Honest Words. I hope that sounds refreshing to you when you read that. Simple Honest Words. Not confusing, not binding, right? Uh, let your yes be yes. And you know, like I said, uh, what do you think when someone says he'll give you 110%? I mean, unless he's talking about profit, like if you invest in this, you'll get 110% back. That 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 can work. But he says, I'm gonna give you 110% effort. I think that means he's gonna die trying, <laughs> because he's gonna give you more than is possible. Like I said, he doesn't understand math, he doesn't know how it works, or he's a liar. He's given to exaggeration. And if somebody is given to exaggeration, what can you do with what they say? The answer is not much, right? Uh, Because you don't know what to do with that. Why would I trust someone who's given to exaggeration? He's already proven to me that his words don't mean what they say, right? Not that I'm going to say, take it back. You know, when he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, you know what I I take that as? As the handshake deal is still the best deal. Uh, if, if If you can shake hands... You know, a contract is as good as your lawyer can work the words to mean, right? Because your lawyer can go through that contract and look for all the loopholes and look for all the ways out of it and all those, all the things that, and that's his job. Not, not, I'm not saying all lawyers are evil, just some of them. (laughs) But, but that's, that's what he does and he works through the, through the contract to try, and you know, the guy who writes the contracts, he's trying to write the contract so that nobody can find loopholes or make loopholes. And so we end up with these written things that, you know, How many of you lie, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you lie when you sign, I have read and understood? (laughs) (laughs) Why do we do it? Because it's the only way we can get the product. (laughs) but I'm not going to waste my time reading it because if I do, I don't understand, and I'm still going to lie. So I just, I just, you know, forgive me, God, and I push the dot, you know, and buy the thing that I'm buying because I don't understand that language. They have made it so, they work so hard to make it so precise. To, isn't it nice to shake someone's hand and say you have a deal and know the guy will keep the deal and you don't have to worry about it? Guess what? That's the kind of people we're supposed to be handshake people. I'm not saying you can't have contracts. You know, good fences make good neighbors. A good contract might help out at times, right? Uh, and, And so I'm not saying we can't have contracts, but I'm saying our word should be that good, right? We live in a contract society and we're called to be handshake people. And handshake people should stand out in a contract society, which by the way comes back because you know what? So far, you know what this message has been? It's been a moral lesson. And I hate standing up in front of a bunch of people in Jesus' name, giving a moral lesson. I'm not saying it's bad, but this could be given in a synagogue, right? This could be given almost anywhere, but it's something more than that. I want to back up one page and turn it into a Christian message. It's Christian because it's from the Bible. I mean, don't, don't take that away. But let's go to 5.13, right? I'm going back 20 verses. Even though in, in this church it's been several weeks. <laughs> it's only, it's only a couple minutes if you're reading it, right? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a, put on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, and that includes your word. And if your word is good, that shines. You better believe, in our world today, that shines. People are not used to that. People are used to people trying to squirm their way out of contracts and find out ways around contracts and whose whose word is as good as you can enforce in a court of law. And Jesus calls us to be people who who shine by the goodness of many things, including our word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, And don't add to it and don't take from it. Uh, psalm 15:4. is I'd, I'd meant to make Psalm 15 our scripture reading, so let's go back to Psalm 15 here. I kind of botched that. I apologize. Psalm 15, one through four. I'll just read the whole psalm. It's the whole five verses. But I'm going to emphasize verse four. Starting at verse one of Psalm, psalm 15. "Lord, who may reside in your tent?" who may settle on your holy hill? One who walks with integrity and practices righteousness. He's saying, who who is able to sit in God's place? And God answers. One who walks in integrity and practices righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor do evil to his neighbor, nor bring shame on his friend. A despicable, despicable person is despised in his eyes, but he honors those who fear the Lord. And here's the part I'm going to come back to. He takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. And then verse 5, he does not lend his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. One who does these things will never be shaken. Okay, the way the New American Standard says this, he takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. I, I like the NIV because it's simpler, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, right? You know what? I didn't know what I was getting into, but I gave my word, and I will keep my word. That's what God calls us to be not just people who, who who give our word when it's sunny and as long as it's sunny our word is still good right but when it's rainy when it's there's snow out there when it's cold and gross who keeps his oath even when it hurts this guy doesn't talk big he doesn't make a lot of drama he just does what he says simple honest words are more powerful than all the puff and zeal you can ever add to them. Yes and no. You know, yes and no are so thoroughly adequate. I like, maybe, <laughs> I like, if I can. If, believe me, you, you may notice this uh, now. I couch my words a lot. I'll try, if I can, right? I don't like to say yes, and I don't like to say no, but I don't like to commit myself. We should be very cautious about those things, but if we do commit ourselves, we should do what we say we're going to do. Our words mean something. And then Jesus gets to this, second half of verse 37, Matthew chapter 5, but make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. That's the first half. second half, anything beyond these is of evil origin. Really, what motivates saying more? What, what is the motivation to say, no, really, you can trust me. I'm an honest person. It might come out of a desire to impress. You can count on me, I always pay my bills. Okay, That's, and, and hopefully, hopefully you're t- telling a true statement, and you're telling somebody they really can, can rely on you, but simply yes. Accomplishes what you need, it may not make you look quite as good. It comes out of a desire to impress. That's that's the more positive version. The other version is the desire to deceive. No, no, you can trust me, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> right? Neither one of them comes out of simple honesty. Simple, straightforward honesty. So here's you go. If you can't be believed with. Out an oath, can you believe be believed with an oath? Does say giving an oath suddenly turn an honest, a dishonest person into an honest person? The answer is no. It, all it means is that you might be lying on a larger scale. Right? But if you're a liar, you're a liar. It, it the scale is just, you know, it's whatever comes out of it. If we are honest without an oath, then the oath doesn't add anything to what we say. If we are not honest Without an oath, then the oath doesn't add anything to what we say. It actually doesn't accomplish anything, but binds us before God to what we said when we weren't bound before. Simple honesty doesn't require more than yes and no. That's enough. It's all it takes. Okay. I want to go back to that Christian message in this, because, because like I said, I hate giving just a moral lesson. Yeah, I, I, I could, you can do that anywhere and not offend anybody. Right, the, the ninety ninety five percent of what I said in here wouldn't offend anybody. And if it doesn't offend anybody, you haven't you've done something wrong. <laughs> and I don't think it offends anybody here. Could be wrong. I don't know. We are called to be salt and light in this world. We are called. You know what that means? It means salt. Salt means to make the world world better right? And, and that's different from being light. Salt is making the world better. We're supposed to make the world better. And, and I think we do that by honesty. <laughs> honesty is so nice. Ask someone who's used to dishonesty how much they like honesty, right? Uh, and, and it's so nice to have deal with someone who's honest. We're used to dealing with people who are dishonest. But, and so we make it better. But the other part, light is advertising, right? Light is making a public display. We don't walk around saying, you know, I'm doing this for Christ. We don't have to. But men may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. They see your good works, they glorify your Father. They hear your words. They hear simple, honest words. And they see that they mean something. And they go, wow, I'm not used to that. What is it about this guy? Oh, he's a Christian. That says something. And, and, and he, he, you may be elevated a little in his eyes. That's irrelevant. But God, your God, the one you're following, the one who causes you to live this better life or the one who motivates you to live this better life, he is glorified. And they see that, and, and, and it works. False speech, exaggeration, and hype are poor tools that do little to display Christ <laughs> and do little to promote him. Simple, honest words are much better, and I think they're part of a really good witness for Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you to help us. Lord, our words, it is so hard to be faithful in our words. It is so hard not to want to impress. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard not to want to deceive in some situations. Father, let us be people of simple, honest words. Speak the truth and speak it plainly. Help us to do what we say, and and be bound by our word, as if we took an oath when we didn't. I seek your blessing. Let us shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen.